Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. All right, everybody, welcome to Growing Up Fire, episode 25. I'm with Stacey Dorf out at uh, Siksika First Nation. Uh, he's the Director of Emergency Management and Public Safety. We're longtime friends uh, since the 2013 floods when we're out here. I got to be honest, I pulled over the tracks into the nation and I, I, a lot of emotions hit me. I was, uh, so many things happened here, good, good, bad and ugly when, when we came for the floods. And uh, it was I, I just a flood of emotions. So I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Always, always great to have you here, Jamie. Always. Sixka Nation always loves you. And I hear, I hear what you're saying when it, those emotions is like coming back home and kind of reliving some of the good and the, and the challenging stuff that you were when you're here. It was great. Yeah. It, you know, it just uh, brings back all of those emotions. Like the first time we ever went down to the arena together and, and you were introducing me to everyone and we were looking at all of the donations that people had sent in and we're trying to sort through them and we're trying to, you know, help sort that all out. And, and the little kids on bikes that kept coming up to us and asking us what was going on. And absolutely all of those things just, I crossed the tracks and it was like, Oh, it hit me like a ton of bricks, right? That's awesome. Some, some of those, uh, like the saddest houses that had been flooded yeah. multiple times and standing on the edge of the bank, looking out to where the, the bridge used to attach to the yeah. bank before, yeah. right? All of those things. And so uh, I'm excited to be here. I have stopped another time when I came through to kind of see some of what was going on. Yeah. But today, for some reason, probably because I knew you and I are going to be just sitting here chilling. <laughs> I, it was just like almost too much for a second. It was great when you came here and with all your help and with the time and the event and the things that were happening on their nation. For some people, it is hard to to think about it. But the good thing is we brought a lot of good people together yeah. to make sure the nation was safe. And that, you know, at the end of the day, it was the flood. There's a lot of devastating things to look at and um, a lot of lessons learned. But a lot of great people came in the nation. We appreciate that. For us, it was uh, like the first time after our fire in 2011 where we actually got to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. And so we were so excited. We tried so hard. We had our equipment all lined up and we were just pumping the government, letting them know, oh, we're ready and we're yeah. doing deployment exercises. And yeah. and when they finally called us and said, go, we were so excited. And, and this is a part of the country that none of us had ever been to before. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen when we get here. Yeah. Just pumped to be back absolutely pumped so that's great i'm glad well six because always your second home you come down here visit we'll have coffee my door is always open you know we're golfing if i come here absolutely absolutely <laughs> right on so uh growing up fire right it's all about uh, being in the emergency management fire ambulance uh, first responder role and so as we're trying to figure out who do we get on this podcast I've been talking to you right since the start about this, right? You're, yeah, you're absolutely. So I'm happy you could make it work out today. I'm happy we're doing it right on the nation. And I'm super pumped for everybody to, to meet you and, and find out the real you like I know the real you. That's good. So. I'm glad. glad I, share, I share a little bit of myself. That I'm not just a picture or uh, I heard about that guy, Stacy. <laughs> Whether but it's good or bad. Probably from my Facebook where I'm sharing all your stuff. Guys are out here crushing it all the time. Yeah. So. So let's roll it back. Let's roll it back to the start for you. You're a 23-year-old guy. You're, oh, you're going to be a fireman. I had to make a change in my life, and I've always wanted to be a fireman. And I had the opportunity again to, even before that, even traditionally, is going down the wrong path. You know, I was a little bit misguided. My grandmother brought me back here and said, you got to come back home. You got to come back home, and you got to do something better with your life. And then being a fireman's always been that in the back of my mind. And, I had the opportunity here at Sixka Nation. He wanted, they recognized they needed a full-time fire department. And I was excited. I was scared. I didn't know what I was in for. I think about it now, and I think about all these new kids, all these young firefighter kids, are, they know what they want. They come in there, and they're like, man, do I know what I'm in for? Is this what I want to do? Is this the, am I ready for this big step? And, and it was a big, scary step, but, man, I don't regret any bit of it. Right. The training, the responsibility, and the, let me tell you, you got to grow up pretty quick, right? So <laughs> Growing up fire is all about growing up pretty quick. And you, sure. as, as ironic as it is, yes, it absolutely is. You know, that can't be that, you can still be a little bit of a crazy kid, because come on now, if you, we're a fireman. We're, <laughs> who, who in their right mind looks at, a, looks at a fully involved fire and 
And people are people are going in and going, man, do we go in there? And I walk in there and go, well, is the floor sound? Yeah, all right, we're going in. That's it. We're That's doing it. it. Yeah. And so for you, you didn't have you didn't follow anyone into the fire service world. It was just an opportunity that came up as you were trying to make that change. And absolutely, I look at this, and I've always it's kind of always been my mantra, my thing is things fall in place for a reason. My grandma was supposed to be there at the time that you know, I was at my lowest, the fire department was there. It gave me an opportunity to better myself. And, and I've been trying to make up for all the, I guess, shenanigans, shenanigans. <laughs> thank you that, that, that I've done in my past. And that's, and so, and, and I've loved it ever since it was, it's been great. Yeah. It's cool. As we were talking, getting ready to start the, the program, you told me that your son is going to be a firefighter now. Yeah. And oh. so that's, I mean, that melts my heart. That's what this show's about. That's what uh, obviously my family's about and, and fire's all about. So G2 out there doing his thing. Right? Oh, he's, you know, he's, it's awesome. And we try to mentor our kids as much as we want. And my family has lived and breathed firefighting and me teaching all across Alberta and and everything for the past you know 20 years or whatever and when my son's always mentoring and let me tell you when I talk about melting your heart <laughs> for your son to sit you down and go dad I finally figure out what I'm gonna do and he goes yeah what's that son he goes I want to be a fireman just like you <sighs> and you're like oh yeah it's yes. that moment where oh. you get that big lump in your throat of course you, you hardly know what to say exactly so I told him I said that's awesome and he says you know what you have the best opportunity now. I've worked with some great individuals. I've called upon you to help mentor my son, Jamie, and I've called everybody that I knew would make my son a great fireman. And now he's a, he's a fireman down in Blood Tribe working with Jason Avery. Oh, nice. Jason, yeah. right on. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. You got someone who can watch his back down there for you. And, Absolutely. Because and, uh, we always worry. I mean, yeah. as tough as we are on the outside, we're, yeah. we're big teddy bears on the inside. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And we always worry about our kids as they get into this, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of talked about your family and how they were immersed in it. So let, let's go down that road a little bit because yeah. I think that uh, we don't always talk enough about our families. And, Absolutely. And we're really nothing without our families, right? I mean, how many meals we miss, how long we're gone for, all the traveling, all the training, how they help us out with those things you know we'd be nothing without a, a good support system and so you know over the years what are some things that you can think of where you know it just pops to your mind like man they had my back on that one and this one and i'll sum it up in like in this i've come to the point now where i've done a lot and even now even before when i was the fire captain and we had you know not only just the floods but we had the big fires and we had you know the second flood coming in and and I'm at home thinking, oh, man, there's something else. And the first thing my wife says is, Stace, we all understand we're safe. The nation needs you, and we know that. So go. We'll be okay. The nation needs you. For her to say that to me, and without any resentment, without any thinking of all those times I've missed anniversaries and birthdays and everything, because I've been all over the place, that's the piece that makes all firefighters do what we do and be able to come home. And have that support system because who better than to know us and with our wives and our kids to know where we're at right for sure you know i do have pangs of guilt sometimes as my son went into it my i've dragged my wife into the consulting business with me now my daughter's in her second year of em at nate awesome. and, and i drug the whole clan in right i'm already brainwashing my little grandson Kason in his picture yeah his, picture, his bed right yeah absolutely bed. yeah i do from time to time feel a little guilty but then i always just flip the page and remember that you know, the emergency world is my other family. Absolutely. And so to bring, you know, my family together with my other family mm -hmm. is, is one of the greatest things that I can think of. And so every time I go somewhere and I think of, oh, there's a bunch of firefighters and police paramedics out on the highway and their families are all without them. Absolutely. Right? But they're at least there together with their other That's family. That's right. Right? And then, you know, we go to these big disasters and there's been many and across yeah. Alberta. NBC, and we go to these things, and you're you're just thinking of the the scope of all of those families missing all of their people, right? Mm -hmm. you, you look out on a field, and there's 300 tents set up, and you know all those wildfire firefighters from all over the country are there helping out, and you're like, man, that's a lot of families that are missing their people. Absolutely. But I guess really, it always comes back to that: the people of the nation need you. That's right. That's always been my as tough as it's been, and as good as it's been, and even in the middle. I wear my heart on my sleeve and everything that I do. And sometimes, it, it, a lot of times it gets me in a little bit of trouble because I'm vocal with what I'm passionate about. And 
but I'm true to my heart and that's, you know, the nation, I serve the nation and that's, I'll always be there. And I've given up my, my life and my body and you name it. And yeah. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. But the, if I didn't have the support system that I had with my wife and my kids, man, I tell you, it, it'd be a lot harder. You know, we talk about real quick, I don't want to get into it. This is, is the PTSD stuff, right? Yeah. Right? Well, we can get into it. We can get into whatever we want, uh, right? There we so. go. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll touch it for a second. <laughs> sure. Is that, that whole that whole piece is what's your support system? And a lot of time it is, right? Yeah. And, you know, even for myself, I, I've, I've been through it. And the other thing, too, is what about the wives listening to all of our stories? I always worry about my wife. You see that? You, yeah. Like, so it's So who supports them? So I have to consciously remember now that... Even though I'm asking for help, I got to make sure that I'm there for my wife to help her to deal with how I am, right? Yeah, and especially as the role gets bigger, right? Absolutely. So now, now you're all the way up to the the top, and and you're helping with these big critical things. I mean, COVID's just been the longest, hardest thing that's been going on, right? Yeah, you, you go home and you get that support, but uh, we always got to look out for them too. And, Absolutely. And so is it. We're on the same page. I totally get it. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't tell you a specific, put my finger on it. I had PTSD this day or that yeah. day or this year or that year. Yeah. Um, but certainly this job affects you. There's no way it could not. We wouldn't be human if it mm-hmm. doesn't affect us. And, you know, we talk about having black heart and getting through yeah. it and all those things. Uh, it still bugs you, right? I mean, it's, uh, I think I cried like three times in my life. And, and every single time my wife or one of my kids would be like, well, I've never seen you cry before. It's like, I know, but I, there's a heart in there. I knew it. I know because you know you know what you know Jake, we're, we're, we're really and this is you know what you know we can talk about this we're the old school firemen where it's like ah oh, come on Jamie yeah, brush it off let's go we gotta get back in there right some dirt on it that's right and hey yeah, like in all those movies right? like because Navy SEALs throw some dirt in there where we never talked about it right because that wasn't our, our thing and now it's up to us to tell their younger generation tell my son every day there's anything you want to talk about anything you see because you can see some some pretty gnarly stuff right just don't forget to to talk and let it out and that if it bugs you there's nothing wrong with it i you know i was so happy when they started to build the sism teams and started to have yeah. peer support because honestly it was just as a deputy chief as a chief it was so hard on me you know i would say oh i'm part janitor part counselor part trainer part you know and the counselor part was incredibly hard for me because i was i really struggled trying to understand Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm that old school guy that has these old school feelings and I'm trying to understand kind of the newer, better way to run a fire service. But it was always hard on me. It was like honestly really hard on me. And so um, I was happy when they said, hey, we want to send some people for SISM. You you bet. Yeah. Any amount of money we'll spend on that. We were going to have this pure sport team. Yes, you are. That's yeah. awesome. Let's do it. And I just felt like that took the weight off of one person's shoulders and spread it out amongst that's a right. bigger group, right? And so it, it was a it was a great way. The firefighters today mm-hmm. that go through this stuff and the stuff they see and, and uh, how it affects some of them. Yeah, I'm not used to it. And so if it was still left to me to, to handle, it wouldn't be that good. I'm I'm the first to admit that. So yeah. I'm happy that we talk about it. I'm happy we're talking about it on the show. I'm happy we Absolutely. talk about it at the fire hall. I'm happy that we talk about it with the the peer support and SISM teams. Yeah, I still. To be honest, don't fully understand it all. I feel like one day I could be just like driving down the highway and it'll hit me like a ton of bricks Mm -hmm. or I'll just make it all the way to the end and never really understand. Mm -hmm. Of course, I hope for that one. But you see it happen both ways. How many good firefighters, how many good probationary firefighters have never even made it to have that potential, become that good firefighter, that good EMT or that because we haven't supported them or they wouldn't recognize back then or how many good firefighters have we lost because they're like, you know what, I can't, I can't do this anymore. This is too much for me. When all we could have done is just maybe support them a little bit more, sit and talk with them for a bit. So I, I always make sure that even with the new position I have now with the security of the nation, I mean, we see some pretty good stuff and bad stuff, mostly good, but there's that odd time. And, and my priority is always even any kind of event that I run, right? To make sure that number one thing, like we'll talk real quick about the COVID. I tell you, working for the government was just learning there, learned, learning with all the individuals I learned. You know, believe it or not, Jamie, there's one thing that I learned, and it was actually a priority on my list when I ran COVID, when COVID first came out, 70 days, 71 days, COVID-free on the nation because of the implementation. One of the first things I implemented in, you know what it was? I brought in a dietitian 
because I want to make sure my staff was fed well. And what I mean by that. I don't mean like how I was. Remember back in the day, oh, yeah. every day was steak and potatoes. And, uh, this is what we're going to... We're living proof of that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good nutrition, right? Yogurts, fruits. And and let me tell you, they, the morale was fantastic because... And then that was a priority. Another thing too, I put aside a room. I put a couch in there, a chair in there, and a TV. You know what they did? When they felt overwhelmed, I said, go have your time. Close the door. And they got away from it for a bit. Go close the door, watch some Hellfire Heroes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I'll have a discussion about it to my, to my son. He said, yeah, it's fine. That's funny. Who, him? Yeah. Really? <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's really good. I like it. It's, 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 it's been very, very well. And I'm glad we're dealing with that or recognizing PTSD. And it's going to get better all the time is. As mentors. It, it does. It seems like it is. Back from our first days and, you know, you go to your first death, you go to your first bad car accident, fire, all those things compared to how they handle it today. Mm-hmm. It's, I almost find that I'm overwhelmed by how much they're trying to handle it because I'm old school. I'm like, I said once I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me again. Yeah. Right. I understand it's a process and I yeah. follow through with the process, but it really is hard to, to uh, find your path and find your way. Mm-hmm. But there's so much, even reaching out to the families. Yeah. Right? So like my first 20 years in the fire service, nobody ever worried if my wife or kids or I come home with blood on my uniform, nobody just throw the washing machine, wash it up and yeah. we're coming back tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. Now we can reach out to the families and we can reach yeah. out and say, Hey, is there a change in behavior? Do you need some help? Can we mm-hmm. get you a support team? And so that stuff's all really, really changed. And I think that that's the the good parts of the change from the early days of firefighting. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I still love the cowboy times where we're out there kicking down doors and right, just going in there doing whatever we want. But at the other side of it, it's safer now. It's better mm-hmm. now. They watch yeah. out for us better, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're not gunslinging on Main Street anymore, but it's still a pretty cool job. It's still a pretty crazy job. And, Absolutely. And those kinds of things. You kind of come back. Grandma brings you in. You're going to join up. You're in the in the fire department, and they're building a new career fire service from start. Absolutely. So, so what are your, what's some of the best memories you have of kind of doing that? Oh, you know what? The best memories was, there's so many, you know, I'm, I'm be like you, where do I point the finger at to one of them? And what I like in the very beginning is when you start fresh with the new fire department, you don't have, you don't have those old habits that maybe you don't want to bring into their hall, which is, which, I mean, we see it all the time, right? So, you know, you have a group of guys that want to do one thing and that's become, be a fire service, serve the people, hang out together and figure out what we're going to do to be better firefighters. Another good thing is the the EMS staff that we had back then, they were such a great team and we were so cohesive in the very beginning. And that's what made a difference. We had each other's back, period. We even sitting in that, you know, it was movie night. You know, we talk about other stuff too. And but that was a good moment for me. The other good moment is is seeing the change in the people when when we show up in a fire truck. Wow, we get a full-time service now. We're here where we feel they feel a little bit safer. You're there faster. That's more right. Training. That's right. And then just we're still rough around the edges. I remember the, geez, I remember the first time I I turned on. We had a front-mounted pump, a top kick. Remember those old top kicks? Are, you might be dating yourself. A oh, bit. I am. I think I am. <laughs> and you have to engage the pump. It's that lever. <laughs> well, if the nut's not tight enough and you lever it, it's anyway. So it's. It's those days, but I tell you, if I had a pinpoint, it was, if I can go back, it was being there, playing basketball with a good group of guys and that we knew we had one thing. There was no rank. I, I know rank is, is really good. I believe in, in Hispanic control and I believe in... But when you're first starting out, it's not as important. Right? No, it's Everybody's not. kind of learning together and moving forward together. Yeah. It's great. I, I love that still when I come here and uh, the ambulance is right there and you still yeah. have a good relationship and you still, right? There's, yeah. It's different across the country, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly of that relationship. Oh, I know. But it's nice to hear that it was good, really good, right? Yeah. And that some of that stayed on and, and kept going. Because to me, it's always so important, right? When you come through the door of the fire hall, you're you're with family. Yeah, absolutely. To me, that was always the rule. It just didn't matter... You know, if you're the public and you're complaining and you're screaming at us, you're still part of the family. Yeah. Come in, we'll calm you down, we'll talk yeah. about it, we'll figure it out, we'll we'll go together, right? You're from another province, another country, yeah. come in, 
your family will figure it out. Absolutely. And, and I love that because with Growing on Fire, we get to do a lot of that. And everywhere we go, the door is open. You're with family. You feel it. Absolutely. And it's not something that I'll ever take for granted. Absolutely. Right? It's just, uh, I love it. And so even as the career progressed and we started to go to more and more of these disasters and do more and more deployments, it was really like that. And so, you know, I'll rewind back to 2013. Mm-hmm. You guys have been like up against the wall for hours and hours and hours, uh, days at that point. We show up. We don't know where to park. We found the fire hall easy enough, but we don't mm-hmm. know where to park. We don't know how to set up our campers and we don't want to be in the way. And yeah, there you are. Tired, dog tired, right? Dragging your butt out, but still big Stacy smile, right? <laughs> hey guys, thanks for coming. I think it was like yeah. the first thing out of your mouth was thanking yeah. us for being there. You know, park here, we'll do this. We'll get you set up with all the stuff you need. Come to the fire hall, show you around. For me, being on that deployment, being a place in the country I'd never been before, seeing the devastation on the way down here that we'd seen across Absolutely. Southern Alberta. Yeah. And you don't know what to expect and you don't really know how you're going to help but you know that you're willing to do whatever and and did get your big smile that anyone that knows you knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. They come rolling out like right from the first second. Yeah. I was like, this is our guy. And, well, and you were, right? We, really we rolled around this place for, for weeks after that. And, yeah. uh, it was, you know, always someone I could count on. Over the years, we phoned each other for yeah. all kinds of things back and Absolutely, forth. Yeah. Need help with this, need advice on that. How are you yeah. doing? How's it going? My listeners probably don't all know that you have a shoe fetish, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm forever sending you pictures of shoes. <laughs> so, you know, I just, you know, it, it's, and it, you talk about that family, he just took a young kid to show me a pair of Air Jordan fours <laughs> and threes. <laughs> And the funny thing about it is I realistically just wanted the biggest thing I got this big wide gnarly feet and I I wonder where he says you gotta try these new Jordans they're wide they're good I actually legitimately wanted them just to try and then boom there it started there it started and uh, it's funny now you don't have a basement you have a shoe store I do 48 (laughs) shoes later 30 pairs of boots Uh. yeah I rivals I guess some of that nothing to the ladies (laughs) <laughs> I bet you I rival some of the ladies in the that have a, a shoe fetish, or yeah. you want to call it. But. And, and it's been great. I was telling you just before we started, it, it's great for me because I go, yeah. I'll be in Vegas and the, the Nike stores there and I'll go in and I'm taking pictures of the latest and the greatest and all the most famous shoes and I'm I'm giggling and texting and my wife's always like, what? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm sending some stuff to Stacy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? We're in the Lego store, West Edmonton Mall, right? Just opens up and... Here's this great big Lego shoe. Yeah. And I'm just taking, there's a million things to look at. My grandson's pulling at my shirt and, and I'm like, just wait, just wait, buddy. I got to take a picture of this shoe and send it to my buddy. <laughs> so it's funny the things that stick in your mind, right? Absolutely. And, and kind of go through. So you want to talk about the 13th flight. We, I know we're just discussing it, but my biggest thing is names. I, and everyone knows, everyone knows me. They know that is I'm horrible for names sometimes, but for whatever reason, when I started teaching everything, nicknames. I give somebody a nickname, I'll remember for life. And the one gentleman that you brought, I called him Chuck Norris. Yeah. Kelly Harleton, shout out, buddy. Chuck, Chuck Norris. <laughs> it's the first thing I looked at. Man, you look like Chuck Norris. Yeah. He had the he had the the unbuttoned shirt, the hairy chest, and it's just I'll never forget him in my and, life. And literally, like he was that guy, right? He was kind of he's like the disaster Chuck Norris. He could just <laughs> kick the door open and fly in there. And, kick a disaster's butt it was uh there's dozens and dozens of people laughing right now I know. <laughs> kelly harleton chuck norris yeah oh i'm sorry buddy but i just you'll always stand my memory it's a good thing though we had some, we had some great memories in 2013 it was, yeah and and i mean so kelly and i really got to spend a lot of time with you you're kind yeah. of our boots on the ground yeah. knowledge guy yeah. uh working with tom on the higher level stuff yeah. working with eric on the, in yeah. the housing stuff but uh, you were our day-to-day constant contact in everything that we were doing. And I can remember standing in so many places, you know, looking out to the bridge where it's all washed out. There was one house right by the river and you were telling me a story how it was like the third or fourth time that it had been like catastrophically flooded. And, yeah. and you're telling me all about the family that lives there and, you're, and we're, each house that we went to, you knew who lived there yeah, and you knew what was going on there and how many of their family members were displaced and what was yeah. going on. and it'd be underwater but you'd tell us well the driveway turns left here and then turns and and just that depth of knowledge of everywhere we went on the nation 
I never really ran into another person on any of the deployments that knew every single piece and every single person on that level. And so that always sticks with me when I go somewhere. I'm literally I've, I've been said to people, I need to find my Stacy here. <laughs> That's right? awesome. And so I appreciate that. You're, Thank you. you're that guy. You're the level that everyone else has to match up to. And so it was uh, the worst of times. Yeah. But there's always those those happy parts in yeah. there where we're going places and it's like, oh, this this isn't as badly damaged mm -hmm. as we thought it was. Yeah. Or this family is okay. They're they're here and they're okay. And you'd mm -hmm. give us those updates every day. You know, when we went to the arena, we were talking about going to the arena and looking at all the things that everyone had donated. And I was so sad and so just like, what what's happening here? But mm -hmm. not you. You're just in true Stacey fashion. You're running around and you're talking to this lady and helping that guy and going to this and solving problems. And by the time we left, everybody like yay see you later thanks for coming and i was like wow i just went from like the most depressing place i'd ever been on planet earth to mm -hmm. this guy just spread some cheer and made some decisions and it's all good i appreciate that it's always goes back to the my again my, my grandmother and our traditional ways as and sometimes every every culture we all kind of lose our way in how how we do things and the 2013 floods, we look at all that, you know, the devastation of that. However, we look at the positives. We came together as a community. We came together as a Blackfoot people with all our different clans coming together and knew we had one common thing. And that was to look after each other, right? I, I always believe in it is that it doesn't matter if you're a leader or anyone like that, you have to serve the people. You have to serve your staff. And for me to, to learn the communities was because I was there involved in, in the community going to all the snowstorms meeting the people and asking them how are you doing how are you feeling being What's out there right? exactly and so that that takes time of serving your community we talk about that family right we have tons of family we yeah you're family, family, family here that's right and then we got yeah and that's a different concept for being a fireman or anything in your in a first nations community is that you're all related somehow yeah and sometimes it can be a little bit kind of down too, is because you know someone passes away when you're there. But for the most part, I'll tell you a quick story, with, real quick, about knowing everyone in, in the building and during a winter storm. So I'm going around in, in the bush buggy and I'm checking on people out. And there's a community called Poor Eagle Flats, right? One of the communities. And I go down and I, I look over as I'm pulling in and I see this little shack and there's smoke coming up. I'm like, I'll go check that in a minute here. Go to the house, I open up the door and the kids are running out. When's the power going to come out? My cell phones are down. My cell phones. I'm like, where are your grandparents? Where are they? Oh, they're in the shack. Okay. So I close the door. I go down, open up the door. Open up the door. And and in there is two elders. And she's got those, you know, those old, old black stoves, cast. Yeah, cast. Yeah, cast yeah. stoves. With this, the, <laughs> yeah. And they're in there. She's got boiled meat, which is awesome. Some you know, like made you, you stayed for some, lunch. Oh yeah, and then fry bread. <laughs> I love fry bread. Fry bread's like. Fry I'll be back to like, check yes, on you tomorrow. That's right. No, not even that. I open the door and say, "Are you okay? Everything okay?" She looks at me, and then it, at that point, she's like, "Maybe I look tired." She goes, "Are you okay?" Uh, yeah. Come on in. Let's have some meat. And... But it's it's that what I'm trying to say is that yeah. it's that family that when you work for your First Nations, they come in and say. Thanks for checking us out. Come on in, have some fry bread, have some, have some meat, and then get on your way, right? And they'll, they'll serve anybody. Yeah, so. yeah, that was, it was cool, and and I think that the longer we stayed here, that's what we learned, right? Is just uh, you have to build trust, just like you yeah. do in any community. And once you build that, it's like, yeah, we're come in, let's talk, let's figure this out together. We're Absolutely. right, and they start to ask you about everything. One of my favorite moments in the entire time I was here was the day that we brought in a helicopter. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that crazy. <laughs> oh, my crazy. Is it English or Scottish? Anyway. <laughs> Nigel. Yes. Nigel, that's it. I remember the, the helicopter was circling, right? Yeah. Because we had to set up a landing pad over by the fire hall. <clears throat> and then there must have been 50 kids on bikes. It was like this bike parade showed up. Everybody came from the arena and yeah. they're all pedaled up there. And we're like trying to hold these kids back. And it was cool because they probably haven't seen a lot of helicopters, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Nigel's got this big medium helicopter and he's trying to land and he's talking to us and we're talking to him. And, and the guys that I came with knew him from forest firefighting. And uh, so he finally gets on the ground and, and he just, he's like you. He's got a big smile and he's just like, what are we doing here? And I'll do anything and I'll take whoever for a ride. And it was just like one of those cool days where, absolutely, you know, it was... Yeah. 
one, it was saving us like a five hour round trip drive around to the other side of the yeah. nation, which yeah. was helpful. Yeah. And then two was just like getting people up there to how many people get to see the nation from the air. That's right. Right. And Absolutely. so council went up and some of the administration people went up and when they came down, I just remember them talking about, like, I never looked at it like that before. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's damage and we flew yeah. over all the areas, but I never really looked at how this connects with that and that connects with this. And I like to think that that translated into the rebuild, how yeah. they were, you know, they could connect their community in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. That's that nine job. I can't remember what I'm trying to laugh at me. He said, I'm, I'm good. I'll get it. I don't know if it was ice cream or something. He says, <laughs> I'm good. As long as he can supply me ice cream and something else. I said, I'm good. All right, done. I'll make sure I get it for you. Yeah. yeah. But Nigel, he was a good guy. He crazy. Yeah. He'd fly out early in the morning so he could come get time for breakfast. And, yeah. Yeah. And stay for supper. And then absolutely. <laughs> that absolutely. You know, if that's all it took for him to come out here. Yeah. Oh, we'll do that all day. That, that was perfect. That was really a fun. A that fun was time. outstanding. So that stuck out. And then, I mean, obviously having things just kept happening, the yeah. nation's still trying to run while half of them are flooded out and half Absolutely. aren't. And so there was a lot of crazy things that happened there, but uh, you were our constant guy. You were our man <laughs> stuck with us through thick and thin. And I've always been, I don't know what it is. It's just, I, I'm, I'm like the hostess with the mostest. I just believe in that. I always flip the coin and go, okay, if I was going somewhere else, how would I feel? Well, one, okay, I'm in a different place. Who do I talk to? What do you need me here for? And I put myself in that in that perspective, and I go, you know what? I want to make sure these people feel welcome because they're coming out of they're coming down from wherever they're at. They're helping us. They're they're helping the people. The least I can do is put a smile on and get them tell some, some ice jokes, cream, and get some ice cream, whatever <laughs> they need, right? Or give somebody a nickname like Chuck Norris, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's again, it's those native traditional. Yeah. things that we've always had is that we've always always come here you're welcome let's treat you like right, family, right, right your, from the very beginning right? right back to your grandma exactly it, it, everything I'm those ways, right i'm patting my nose the viewers can't see i pat my chest that's a sign of thank you very much and my grandma attributed to a lot of changes in my life because i was let me tell you i got some shenanigans <laughs> you can have your own bar named shenanigans so. oh my goodness yes we tell stories all day oh my goodness Jamie. so you did your firefighting kind of go through that and then decided you'd make a change yeah hardest decision in my life i wanted to retire here i wanted to be i was a captain so kind of that segue you know i was a captain of the fire service i was tom's number two on paper, I was his deputy director of emergency management. I was teaching, Tom and I were teaching all across the, all across Alberta, mentoring a lot of firefighters. I mentored a lot of firefighters, started, helped Tom start Satina Nation. So then it came to the point where it's like, you know, it was time for me to, there's what, it was a time in my life where it's like, you know what, I can do more. What can I do more in this position? He was Jason Avery. Jason Avery's always been like yourself, Jamie. One of my mentors is always looking out for me and always, giving me suggestions saying, hey, Stace, you'd be Try great this, for this. Sir, yeah. You'd be great at this. And so he showed me this Alberta Emergency Management Agency First Nations position, field officer. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, you'd be perfect for it, Stace. And I said, okay. So I applied for it and I got it. So I, I show up there and they do the interview. And you know what? I told the same story about my grandma. Mm -hmm. And because, again, she's always been my foundation of my change. Let me tell you. They saw it. They, uh, Steve Carr was my interview, and uh, Diane Carlson at the time was ISE, you know, Diane. And she's like, I was looking around and I caught Diane going. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I kind of knew I was there. Yeah, so anyway, so <laughs> I, I become a field officer. I loved doing that because it's like what you said, Jamie. I love involving myself in the community. And let me tell you, I miss that even to this day of being in the community because that's what I did best. Yeah. I love to help people. I love to involve myself into the community. And for emergency management, First Nations, I was able to, I had one of the biggest regions. I was from Alexis all the way down south. So I had the biggest area to travel and, and to be, but let me tell you. But people every, can feel that. People can feel that genuine, yeah. like, I'm here to help. It's not one yeah. of those, I'm the government, I'm here to help, and people roll their eyes. It was like, no, you're actually going to help us out. You're actually going to teach us some stuff or help it us is. figure out a problem. And you know what? And being from a First Nations community, 
they were kind of at ease a little bit because they knew that I had some kind of understanding of, of the way they are, funding and all that other stuff. We're going to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And I always believed in is, so I, I remember a story went to Driftpile. I was teaching ICS um, 100 to some council members and their, their tribal manager and, and whatever. And then they said, usually, you know, it's like a native thing. They'll, they'll provide lunch. And I said, so what do we do for lunch? He goes, well, you get two choices. Days. You can go, we're going to go down to the store here. They got a little special. Or the Elder's Lodge is they have, they're making stew and they're making... Yeah, I know where you went. Yeah. <laughs> so they said they're making stew. Uh, when they, in, in, in Creek country and up north, they call it fried bannock. We call it fried bread. Okay. Different consistency. Anyways. Yeah. So where did I... Is that, you, know, you know me, Jay. <laughs> yeah, where I go, I went down and I went to the Elder's. Yeah. And I said, why well, myself? It's just the way I am. I'm surprised they even got you back. Oh, my goodness. The they, yeah. they were, Jamie, they're almost ready. They're trying to marry me off. I said, no, no, no. I've got a wife and a wife at home. And they started laughing. But that's what I did. Before I knew it, I was serving, before I even ate, I was serving the elders in a community I never knew. Yeah. But that's part of what AEMA and what I did. And that's what made it so great. Now I'm not with them anymore, but I miss that. For sure. I miss teaching. I love teaching. I've, I love mentoring. It's and so fun. I, and so for me, that's the same sort of thing, right? By the time this comes out, everyone will know I'm not with Chestermere anymore. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm back to my consulting world. And, and it was a big part of the decision to to just help so many different people from so many different places, right? Mm -hmm. I get to go from Northern Ontario all the way across Western Canada and up into the Yukon. Yeah. Who, who gets to do that, right? And everywhere I go, it's just I'm working with first responders, emergency management, firefighters, yeah. like just all of those people that are my other family, right? That's and so right. the family just grows, right? And so it's all part of that growing up fire for me is yeah. started as an 18 year old kid and just keep growing the family and, and yeah. making it bigger. I get why you wanted to go and try that and be part of it. I also though, for me, love that you ended up back here. Yeah. Right. Helping your people, being on the nation, back with your family every single night. And, yeah, and yeah. so I remember thinking, man, that's a sad day for AMA that they lost Stacy. But I also remember thinking, good for his nation. Yeah. I don't do this job for the recognition. I'm always, I've always been that, that person behind the scenes and I'll push my staff or anyone, the firefighters say, no, these guys are the heroes. I'm just the guy that fills out the paperwork and make sure that they're all good and the humble guy is always at the that's back. right that's right and lead I, from the front and, and there you go pats on the back from the back that's right yeah exactly <laughs> for that i put that on my wall uh, it's for me coming back even that was a hard decision but you know what it wasn't in a way because the previous council that we had before they asked me to come back they said you know says we need you we need you to come back and, you know, help us with our emergency management, the 2013 flood. And we see everything you're going there, hearing all from other councils across Alberta, what I've done for for their nations, right? And and so I was like, yeah, you bet. They gave me the opportunity. I wrote down, you know, what I need to be successful here. And they completely supported it. And before I know it, I'm back here being the director of emergency management, having my own apartment, starting my own apartment, right from the ground up. Like, let me tell you. <laughs> first <I'm>, Oh, <laughs> Like it's, it's, where do you take all those ideas and implement them? But it's great. And I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my grandma. Another quote, my grandma always said when I was growing up, she goes, you know, it's these, you have to go. She told us to my dad and then, you know, my uncles go out into the world, get as much knowledge as you can. Once you have it and you're good, come back home and show your people and lead your people into a good direction. So that, that's where I thought, you know what, it's time for me to, you talk about paying it forward, right? Yeah. I like what, everything about your what you're talking about here real quick, Jamie, is growing up fire. I may have not had growing up fire when I was still my dad and whatever, but however, I started that with my family. And I think that is such a great thing and that my son can now, maybe someday, with your son, maybe those two are going to be sitting here exactly. talking about this growing yeah, up I fire. I hope, right? Talking I mean about us. There are two senile old <laughs> firefighters that talk about how we used to... Wait, that's not yet, right? No, 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 no. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I love it. And I think that, like, for me, growing up fire could be any time. Like, I hear of people that were like, I always wanted to do it. And I finally, you know, quit my job at 55 and I started helping out with the fire department. Yeah. That's growing up fire to me, That's right? absolutely. That's, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, my daughter doesn't want to be a firefighter, doesn't nothing to do with firefighters except maybe date one or whatever but <laughs> the, uh, yeah that's forbidden by the way <laughs> but she went into the em side yeah and so she's growing up fire yeah right and my wife her whole life 
she's been growing up fire right there beside me, probably not knowing it, not fully understanding the impact. Mm -hmm. And then we go in and we're doing consulting work and I sit there and she's talking to a fire chief and, and I'm like, oh yeah, she just said that. She definitely, <laughs> she's rocking it. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She's helping these people out, right? They're giving her feedback and that's growing up fire. It's all growing up fire, right? And, and so to me, it was just like, you're just one of those prime, prime examples of through my career, I've been so lucky, so fortunate to meet so many great people we just kind of got to growing up fire and we're like, you know, this is a chance. You, you can showcase all of these great people, all of these great relationships, absolutely, all of these people that have their own way and their own method of growing up fire and all the places that it took them, mm -hmm. right? From a young, young firefighter, you know, like my son or Patrick McConnell, uh, you know, all the way up to those of us that are supposed to be running it past us to the elders, you know, the, the guys that uh, been doing it for 40 years and they're talking about the original fire equipment or lack of it and all of those things. <laughs> and so it's such a great journey. It's such Absolutely. a great discussion, right? It's a, you, you're always sad when it gets to the end because you get to talk with so many cool people about so many cool things. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. How many, I call it our kids. How many young firefighters have we mentored and still keep in touch with them? You know, I got a young kid, Austin Burley, right? Calls me uncle. Yeah. You know, he's got a new family, good on him. Kind of puts a little lump in my throat when I talk about it. Yeah. Calls me uncle, right? It's those ones that we've, to me, you want to talk about positive, that right there, I just nailed on that. We talk about the positive of growing on fire and it's right there. I look at all of the young firefighters that are now successful and they've done it on their own. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, Jamie. But we had a part in putting on the right path yeah. Giving them just that little bit of encouragement. When you they thought got, they you were got to down. be your grandma for somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> hey, there you go. Oh, I see. Man, you're, you've been doing this for a while there, my and, friend. And I really love, yeah. like, so Austin, you bring up Austin and, and uh, got to work with him in Chestermere. And, you know, he's young like my son and full of piss and vinegar and, and <laughs> alcohol fire. And, and uh, but, you know, his dad, he, he also works in the fire department with his dad. And, and so I his know. dad was telling me about bringing him out here, right? He got an opportunity for Austin to come out here, 16 years old, help out as a junior firefighter and, you know, dropping him off the first time. And, and uh, I said, man, weren't you worried? Like, didn't you? And he's like, no, I just believed in the people that were there. I believed they'd take care of them like their own son. And yeah. and you guys did. And and you just brought him up through the ranks, right? And he turns yeah. into this incredible fireman and working with his dad. And all of that, all of those mentorship opportunities, all of those training opportunities, working together, it's really what fire's all about. Mm -hmm. I, I will say sometimes I get sad. I feel like we lost our way, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. people forget why we're doing this and who we're doing it for. And mm -hmm. it becomes more about politics politics and money or ego turf time and money to use a phrase I use all the time. Yeah. But it's easy to overcome all of those sad and negative thoughts when you think about all of the good stories that we're talking about. Absolutely. All the, all the positive step forward, right? Yeah. So I do love that. So I didn't get a huge chance to look around everywhere yet, but the rebuilding obviously happened and, and did, uh, yeah. I don't think there's been any more massive flood like that since then. No, we, we've had a few, I guess, encounters that were high flow areas and everything like that. But however, most of the people are, are out of the floodplain. So it's not, it's not, there are some people that would still want to live there. Yeah. But the rebuild mostly happened on exactly. higher, higher so ground. Higher ground. So they're still just touching it real quick. Jamie is the, you know, believe it or not, the biggest thing was, if you look at the different valleys we talked about when you, you know, when I was discussing when you were there, the different families is some of those families have been there for four or five generations and they've, they've been known to be in that area. And so that was always the government, government being the government, didn't quite understand that saying, well, no, we're just gonna, we're gonna build a nice house right there. Yeah. Well, they don't get that they've they lived right get, there. They've lived here yeah. for back when the, when the reserve was, had those borders, like that far back. Yeah. They don't like, even they, remember anyone that didn't live there. No, and then you yeah. can see, again, that aerial view, which I loved about you is that take away the floods and cut the grass. You could fly over top. I do some drone footage with my drone little side thing that I have and, and I take pictures and you can actually see some of the houses, the old shack foundations that are all around the modern homes. Because, On the same lots, yeah. You know, my great, great grandma lived right over with my dad in a shack. Yeah. Right? And so all the rebuilds are done now. Everyone's in their homes. The good thing is, is we are able to keep the trailers. Remember the temporary trailers? Yeah. 
So they're slowly converting them into the housing shortage that we, you know, like oh, every great. nation. Okay, so you're starting to... And during COVID, I was able to convince the government to renovate 19 of them. Myself and the team thought of, okay, what's going to happen when we shut down here? There's going to still be COVID. There's going to be a... They need a place to isolate. The biggest thing was isolation. Of course, yeah. And when, when a community has... When every household has an average of seven people in the home, right. how or, do you isolate? How yeah. do you isolate? In your bedroom. No, I know. Right? It's just... We were able to renovate 19 homes and and call them isolation trailers. So it was it were, a lot of good came out of. There was obviously a lot of bad from the floods, but a lot of good came out to kind of set foundations for future responses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know what? After the 2011 fire, one of the top guys that came, General Grant, came, and I don't know if I was ready for his voice to tell me this at the time, but he said one of the things he said to me was, "Never waste a disaster." And so you're sitting in a town that 35% of it's burnt down and you were supposed to be the guy in charge of leading the stopping that fire from getting there. So I wasn't quite there. But since then, I've certainly come to understand what he was trying to say, which is bad things are going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. But good people are going to overcome those bad things mm -hmm. and you can rebuild it better than it was before, safer than it was before, different than it was before. Absolutely. And, you know, I always wish that I was more accepting of what he was saying right when he said it. But even just months later, I did kind of get it and, and understand what he was saying. I like it when I come back to somewhere, right? You see it at the worst. Mm -hmm. And uh, you really do see great people, mm -hmm. right? The people, the spirit of the people, they're, they're broken. They've lost their stuff. You know, they're sad. They're, but they make it through. Mm -hmm. And they come back. And That's then you right. come back. So to hear that it's built up differently, better, stronger, and that the people, they're still here. And they're still Absolutely. doing great. And so maybe we move their house where they can just see where they used to yeah. live. And that's, that, that, of, right? that's where they moved them. Just, just on the, if we're talking about even Chicago Valley here, they just moved just on top of the hill. Yeah. They still look over the valley. They're not in there, yes, but however, yeah. they've got brand new houses. You could still walk down and see where your Absolutely. grandma used to live. And, you know, Absolutely. And Absolutely. so those, are, those things are important. I think that uh, every time that we've been on deployments, every time we've gone to these disasters and every time they happen, I think that you see the, the worst things that can happen to people, mm -hmm. but you also see the best in the spirit of people, right? Yeah, there's some ugly parts when they're evacuating or they're scared or they're upset. And I always forgive all that because mm -hmm. it's just emotions. Mm -hmm. Later on, as it progresses, you always start to see the best in people, right? Absolutely. We're going to take care of each other. We're going to get through this. We're going to figure mm -hmm. it out. And so I think that's all part of some of the emotions I felt as I come over the little dip there and looked out over into the plains and went, oh. when we're coming by, I always talk about being able to go over to the museum. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and see everything there. I got a, a special little tour there before we left, mm -hmm. got to see all all about that and yeah the golf course piece washed away and all the trailers and all mm -hmm. the right but you clean that up and you figure mm -hmm. it out and you move forward and right absolutely um, there's all of the pieces you know you, you take the families and you work with them yeah figure it out and move them to somewhere where they where they'll be safer absolutely right and help them to understand that they'll be safer yeah but that you still keep enough of their home there it leads to that whole six got strong thing right as soon as they, the flood came out, it kind of echoed into the COVID responses that six Nation strong, right? We got to come together and, and overcome those things, right? In order to go forward, you have to learn from it, to come together and, and put aside all of the differences between the political stuff, which is, which is really great. And, you know, we talk about devastation. I remember being deployed into Fort McMurray. Mm. Man, you want to talk about like Night of the Living Dead. You come into it and it just, talk about heart-wrenching when you walk, when you drive around. I remember I got assigned to drive the Grand Chief uh, from up north to show him all the different things. Because they have, they have businesses. The, the, she saw that you know, all over the news, the Shell station there. And now the, the Super 8. And that's where all his, that's where their business is. And it was just looking around and seeing like, like just out of a movie, like you could see, you could picture a vehicle with its doors open just in the middle of the road with clothes and hanging out that you can just picture them just dropping it. Someone telling them, come on in, you have no gas, get on here. Let's get, let me get you just out of here. Keep going. That's right. And then going to the First Nations and 
Man, I'm telling you, we've seen a lot of things, you and I. We we have, we have. And and so that kind of brings me to my last question. And I always try to get to this part. What's next for Stacy? What's next for Stacy is I believe in a lot of things. One is what can I do different and make it a first of everything in whatever it is I do. So what I mean by that is Taking emergency management, that's what I'm doing now in public safety, the peace officer program and secure the nation and making an example of what we can do for our First Nations. That's what's next for Stacey is changing the perspective of the government to recognize and support all First Nations that they need to have a director of emergency management, a full time paid position, right? How many times I've been places and, and oh. heard people say that? Like, and, and I see it. I, yeah. I see it everywhere I go, right? Yeah. And I kind of see it in every community. It doesn't matter if it's a First Nation or a county or a town or a city or a... Yeah. That piece hasn't been taking... They're, they're just not taking the advice of everybody, mm-hmm. right? And Alberta's a disaster place. We, we got lots of floods and fires and bad storms and hail and tornadoes. And and we're in a place where you got to take that serious. And and it's just it's even just being ready on day-to-day basis. What happens when the phone service goes down? Exactly. What happens when the power goes down? And so it doesn't have to be a disaster. Exactly. Right? right. It's somebody's disaster. Exactly. And so to finish up, what's next for Stacey? I want to be able to help all nations across the board. We want to look at Treaty 7. Think about this, Jamie. It's going to be... It's You're blowing be, my mind here. I, I am right tell. now. Right I'm now. Gonna... So I'll tell you real quick. I always, everything I do, I always tell a story. Tom Sampson, we saw him at, I saw him at High River looking at the, the, the provincial stockpile that they had there. Kind of Hesley. Tom Sampson was there and we're sitting talking. He goes, yeah, I know he stays. I finally meet you. He said, yeah. You know what, Tom? I said, my goal is I'm going to start a team just like you. Treaty 7. So what's next for me? A few things. One, why not start a Treaty 7 emergency management group, right? Have a direct emergency manager for Treaty 7. And then you've got Dems in each one. Now you've rec- now you've got that recognition of highly trained First Nations that can go now and deploy to other First Nations, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to work on now. I'm speaking at the AFN conference on the 23rd uh, to discuss um, lessons learned from COVID. What do we learn from First Nations? So that that's an awesome. I, I wrote a resolution that they're starting to recognize now. And there's actually started to I do the AFN has got an, an emergency management team now. I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. Um, I I'd like to say that as part of that resolution of changing First Nations and and putting a director of emergency management and go nationally. Right, that's what's first for Stacy. All right, Stacy's always gonna have a bunch of firsts, right? And that's, you that's you know, I'm a fan, buddy. Anything you know, anything we can ever do to help you out, it's, absolutely. Uh, you make my heart swell listening to you talk like that. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's for the nation, for yeah. the people. It right? is absolutely, and, and you live up to that every day. So, growing up, fire episode twenty five, Stacy Door. I don't know, buddy. I, this was a great one. It was all, all I can say is thank you. And I hope that all those things that you're trying to, to do come true and anything we can do to help you, we're always right behind you. Absolutely. And I just want to tell everyone, all the listeners out there, I learned from Jamie. We got to put props to Mr. Jamie here. He's been a mentor myself and even exactly what he's doing, helping other people. That's where I learned from. He's, he's one of many. So I want to say thank you and know that listeners and yourself, Jamie, I'm here too. One phone call and I'm there. Right on. Growing Up Fire, episode 25. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.